हेलो हाई एवरी वन वेलकम टू गाइडिंग वॉइस पॉडकास्ट सीरीज द गाइडिंग वॉइस फॉर ए बेटर फ्यूचर दिस पॉडकास्ट इज टू हेल्प स्टूडेंट्स एंड यंग प्रोफेशनल टू शेप देयर करियर एंड वी इंटरेक्ट विथ इंडस्ट्री लीडर्स टू गेट देयर इनसाइट ऑन ड्यूरिंग एवरी एपिसोड थैंक यू फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन एंड दिस इज नवीन टूडे आई एम विथ ए स्पेशल को होस्ट सुरेश डियर लिस्नर्स This episode is part of our CXO series and we are extremely pleased to have one of the senior leaders in the Indian IT industry Bharat and we are going to discuss an amazing topic coaching and growing young leaders Bharat Kalyanram is currently working as a vice president software development at Oracle India in the past Bharat has worked as CEO in Torquay's Lace Advisory he held senior roles like chief delivery officer senior vp and md cio while working with major organizations like infinite computer solutions ca technologies nest technologies dell etc coming to his education bharat did his mba from university of louisville bharat is passionate about coaching and growing young leaders let us hear from the most sought after industry leader Hey thanks a lot Naveen and Suresh really uh, excited about this uh, podcast and uh, as i was saying earlier it's always great to make uh, new friends and reconnect with old ones so Naveen and i worked together many many years ago when i was uh, CIO at GE so uh, it's always great after many years to reconnect with good friends so thanks a lot for the opportunity guys oh that's good but i think it is always good to cherish old memories so let's get into our conversation Can you shed some light on your career journey? What it took for you to grow as a successful leader? All right, sure, I'll do that. I've had a pretty long career, so I certainly don't want to bore your listeners with, uh, you know, all the details. But yeah, I started my career as a, a regular techie in the IT industry. Actually, I started my career even before that, working and selling uh, tea, coffee, and spices for a company that is no longer in existence. It used to be called Bookbond India Limited. I started my career as a management trainee and then immediately thereafter got into the information technology industry because I found that selling tea, coffee and spices wasn't particularly exciting to me. Since then it's been an amazing journey because I was very early into the uh, IT field in India. That was the time when uh, I think we barely even scratched the surface in India in 1985-86 of the information technology industry and it was still extremely nascent. So I've seen the industry actually grow from where we were in the old days where you know having 128 megabytes of ram was considered to be like wow to all the way to today where we are now you know seamless compute anywhere cloud everywhere sort of environments so it's been a fascinating journey actually through that now in the process now you asked me a question specifically about leadership and my growth i think there always comes a period and in my case that was exactly what happened i'd been a techie for most for a very large part of my life at that point and i came to a junction where i had to make a choice i thoroughly enjoyed the technical journey it's been fascinating i still love technology and enjoy working in those areas i felt i had to make a conscious choice whether i wanted to grow as a leader in the technology space or whether i wanted to you know grow as a leader in the management and the people management space so i decided to go down the other path and that's where i am right now so i try as far as possible my career since then has always been a melding of technology and uh, people leadership and i've always enjoyed that because in my mind 
technology is less about pure technology and more about the people who actually create and who are behind that technology. So to me, I find that, you know, software development and software engineering is really a people process. Because at the end of the day, your software is only as good as the people who actually work it and who actually create it. Since then, I've really worked on honing my skills and developing my skills in leadership. And it's a lifelong journey. I don't think I've stopped learning and I will continue to learn. Every day there's a new set of learnings and new instances, new readings. So it's been fascinating. That's really what I want to just say. Keep it very brief. We can go into details as we probably, you know, as we continue the conversation. Awesome, Bharat. In fact, uh, we are very happy to know about your incredible journey so far. I'm not just saying it is stopped, right? So it's getting continued. Awesome. And the day we start with coffee and you started your career, you know, with coffee as well. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. So we'd like to hear your opinion. What is leadership? It's uh, interesting. I can talk about serendipity, right? I mean, today here we're having a conversation about leadership and uh, I just published an article on LinkedIn on leadership, actually. So, in fact, one of my bosses actually told me some time ago, leaders are born, they're not made. And I disagree. I think leadership, just like any other set of competencies, is is a set of competencies. It's an it's actually a set of attributes. It's not a job. I don't care what you're called. I mean, you can be a manager, you can be an individual contributor, you can be a senior executive or whatever. But the, you know, leaders are leadership and leaders are really a set of attributes. So I think uh, to go back some time, there's a little bit of a context here, right? If you look at some of the greatest institutions that develop leadership, one of the institutions that comes to mind right away is the military. It's fascinating how they do it because they've been doing it for centuries now, right? So that should tell you that, you know, leaders are not just born. They're actually made. They can be created. True. I've held with that idea for most of my life. And in fact, when I've, uh, I take a lot of pride in growing and developing leaders and I feel I've done that and contributed that to a number of people that you see around. I've uh, been privileged to work with people like that. And I, you know, even when Naveen was uh, with me when I was a GE, uh, you know, one of the things we used to do was actually start, you know, had a very open organization where we had conversations about leadership, where we would just talk like human beings and in the process start learning about it. So some of the attributes that I find that I believe is uh, key to leadership, key to being a successful leader. One of the key things, in my opinion, is openness and transparency. Mm -hmm. Because unless you are able to be open to influences that come in from outside and you're in a learning mode, only then are you going to be able to take that and translate. One of the key attributes. Another attribute, and this is this is very important, I think, is that there's a saying out there. It says, if they work for you, you work for them. You know, so one of the things that you find about great leaders is that while they think differently and they have a different way of looking at it, they always look at the organization and the people they work with first before they think about themselves. And I think that's very different from when you are starting your careers and so on, when you're an individual contributor, for example. You find that, you know, you think about yourself first, then you think about your team, and then you think about the organization. As you grow as a leader, what winds up, and I don't mean just a career path, right? I'm really talking about the growth of a leader comes from the mind. As you start to grow, you start to think about the bigger things first before you think about yourself. I mean, take a look at history. History is littered with, you know, great leaders that we've all taken as role models and so on that we keep thinking of, you know, whether it is Gandhiji, whether it is uh, Martin Luther King or anybody in that context. 
context, if you look at it, one of the greatest things they always had was they always thought about everybody else before they thought about themselves. And I truly believe that that's one of the vital skills that a leader always needs to continue to demonstrate. The third thing is, this is arguably one of the most important, surprisingly I will say this, is humility and vulnerability. You know, one of the things when you're a leader is that everybody looks at you. <laughs> you are somebody's dinner table conversation that day. You are going to be talked about by people who you barely interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. So which means you have to make yourself very vulnerable and very exposed. So that means you need to be also have a great strength of character and strength of mind to be able to take the good with the bad, because not everybody is going to think about you well. You're going to have critics, you're going to have all of that. So how do you persist with your vision and your growth despite all of these things is one of the things. And therefore, that brings us to this characteristic called humility. I, I am going to put this out there. Humility is very, very critical because as a leader, you have to be able to listen and learn and reflect on everything that's coming at you because the decisions you're going to make, the the steps you're going to take today mm -hmm. are going to be felt. The impact is going to be felt not immediately. It's usually going to be felt sometime in the future. So it's fascinating, you know, when you think about leadership that way, upends all of our, you know, popular ideas and concepts of leadership. This is what I believe in. Everybody has an opinion on leadership. This is, these are some of the lessons that I've learned in my journey on leadership. I hope that helps. These are wonderful insights, Bharat. Having observed you directly in the past and passively now by following your LinkedIn posts and all other great articles that you publish from time to time. I'm really curious about your passion for developing leaders, like where it all started. Okay. Thanks so much for that opening, Naveen. Let's be perfectly honest about this, right? In order to be perfectly honest, you might wind up making some potentially controversial remarks. So one of the things that I've found in the corporate world is that there is a lack of teaching mm -hmm. and there is a lack of learning. In the corporate world, we have a tendency to focus so hard on the bottom line, on the critical areas of the business justification that in that process, we miss out on the fact that we're actually dealing with people and human beings. I have always believed that the two go hand in hand. You can't look at one without looking at the other. You can't grow a business and you can't have a successful business if you don't take care of the, your people and enable their success. Mm -hmm. So in that process, I have always believed that coaching and growing people to be better than what they thought they could be is one of the key things that any executive, any manager, any leader should come to the table. See, to create a better version of myself, I was privileged to have and I was lucky to have a few really good mentors in my career and in my life. A few. And believe me, there were very, very few. Barely a handful. And I would like to be able to communicate that out to other people. I've always believed that knowledge is free. And if I don't share my knowledge, then I'm not helping anybody. You know, I may be successful, but if I'm not able to share that success and carry other people along with me in that journey of success, then what am I really making a difference with? So I've always believed that that is the case. And I think that is vital for any leader to do in terms of being able to grow other people. I've always made that a priority. And it's like uh, any school teacher, right? <laughs> if you think about it, every student in a class is not going to be as successful. 
but even if one or two or three are able to pick up lessons and pick up learnings gives me a huge sense of pride you know when i see these people grow and be successful and be really i mean key example right here is you navin we work very briefly together but when i follow your career and i see where you're going and what you're what you have accomplished gives me a huge sense of pride and it feels great to have been associated with somebody like you now, obviously you had your natural abilities right i'm not taking any credit for it you did it but the point is there must have been some influences that rubbed off on you whether it was part of ge or whether it was part of something else that enabled your own success right and it's that process of growth that i think as a leader and as an executive it's a critical part of what i need to do absolutely thank you bharat i would uh, definitely give the credit to you and other leaders at ge who have influenced me because i have closely observed your growth in terms of where you are going and at the same time balancing the people management aspect in terms of creating more leaders and all so i really loved your mantra in order to focus on people and also focus on learning and training so i'm sure our listeners will draw some cues and follow this as well so thank you for the wonderful insights thank you thank you right bharat So the next one like I would like to go can you shed some light on coaching leaders Bharat Okay sure uh, Suresh I'm going to tell you a little story here so just bear with me for a minute my coaching journey actually it wasn't a planned journey to tell you the truth mm-hmm. right one of the things I've always as I've mentioned before is that I've been passionate about growing people and you know enabling people's growth let me put it that way not growing people but really really being a contributor and an enabler of other people Now in that process I think there were a number of people who felt that I had a lot to contribute. My wife actually has been a big influence in that. Mm-hmm. So she go oh, year and a half ago now she told me she said hey look have you thought about coaching coaching as a calling not a profession but as a calling. You understand the distinction right? Profession right. is something that you do for to feed your stomach and I believe calling is something that you do to feed your soul. Absolutely. So what I did was I explored this topic and I actually I enrolled in a course on coaching you know with a company called X Monks who are a franchisee and uh, you know work with Ericsson coaching Ericsson mm-hmm. is the world leader in uh, coaching and they are you know affiliated and uh, associated with the ICF which is the International Coaching Federation and I wanted to get an actual certification I actually wanted to learn what this whole thing was about and guess what it's been a completely different journey you know when everybody thinks about a coach one of the things that always comes to mind is mentoring it's counseling and so on and so forth now all of these approaches are also good don't get me wrong they're very valuable but what happens is that many of those are prescriptive mm-hmm. so they're prescriptive i tell you what you could do but i'm not allowing you to discover for yourself why and how and what you want to be able to do. Mm-hmm. each person's what's hows and whys are different are going to be different from one to the other right and that's a process of discovery it's not a process of prescribing and i love that about the whole approach to coaching because one of the things that i have always that has always bugged me is that you know why is change when we implement change sometimes changes are lasting and sometimes changes are not lasting right positive change for example and then the answer came to me that you know the reason positive change or changes of any sort do not last is because we always prescribe it it's a top down sort of a thing 
right? It's an outside-in sort of a thing, I should say. Not a top-down, outside-in. That means there's an outside influence that is forcing us to change. And usually that kind of change doesn't last. Whereas if you do an inside-out, that is, if you start from within, if we all start from within in terms of the change, then that is always lasting. And that comes from a process of discovery. You know, Gandhiji has said this, right? Be the change that you want to see. Right. Why did he say that? Because he, among many other people in the world, have realized that true change comes from within. It doesn't come because somebody tells me that I need to change. So hence, I felt that coaching as a way to enable young people to discover this potential within themselves mm -hmm. was the way I would like to proceed with this. And hence, you know, I think coaching as an approach to developing leaders needs to be explored and needs to be pursued. And that is a way in which you actually develop young people right from a very early age and an early stage in their careers, in their professions and so on, to grow to be a better version of themselves. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all want, right? We all, each one of us wants to be a better version of ourselves. We understand that like you know uh, your wife played a role of coach in your career and for sure for life as well yeah it did <laughs> very <laughs> much so most of the times like we crack jokes but you know apart from the jokes she played a excellent role oh she played a key role and she continues yeah. to play a key role in my life awesome i think we all do right i mean we all each one of us who was uh was a spouse or a partner or a significant other Usually, we take a lot of influences from them. Exactly. You're right. So, Bharat, like, you know, most of us are in senior roles, our senior leadership roles that we are playing at our respective work. So, how coaching helps the coach in the process? Fabulous question. Fabulous. My journey so far, one of the key things I've learned is that, you know, I'd like to look at it from the perspective of change. When you are the one implementing a change, usually the change also turns around and, you know, impacts you, yep. yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Every one of my journeys where I've either mentored or interacted with somebody, I've always come away a little changed. Like this interaction you and I are having, we are all having right now, is changing me inside already. I can feel it. I can see it happening you know, in my mind. It's that reason why I find it so fascinating when I deal with people. Because every interaction I have with somebody, like yourselves, mm -hmm. I come away enriched. Right? It puts energy back into me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean. But you have to keep yourself open to those influences. See, very often we've had so many of us, we go through our lives, we work with people, we follow up, pursue our professions and so on and so forth. But we don't look at it from the perspective of our own selves, which says that, okay, hey, what am I taking away from it? So there is very little difference between the person who is being coached and the coach themselves. It is just as much a journey for the person being coached as it is a journey for the coach. Because every time there's new learning that comes into process. And that is why one of my key pieces of advice to any young person, any person, anywhere in the world, anywhere on the planet today, is don't stop learning. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. Don't stop learning. You, know, you could learn a new hobby. You could learn a new skill. You could, you could learn about people. You could learn, you could explore 101 topics. And today's world, you know, with the, with, between the internet and YouTube and, you know, all of the influences that we have as a result of the internet, unbelievable access to great information and great skills that you can actually pick up and learn and i don't think and you know there's no excuse for anybody to not learn i mean heck i'm tomorrow i turn <laughs> five 
and I'm still enrolling for courses and things because I want to learn new stuff. And that should continue. That's where I think that, you know, a coach, the barrier between a coach and a person being coached is really nothing because both are learning in that process. Both are growing in that process. And only then can that interaction truly be successful and truly be something that is transformative. If it is just a transaction, then there's no growth. That's what I think. It's very inspiring to see that uh, you observe and learn from others uh, till today, no matter how uh, far you have reached in your career. And that's an amazing and wonderful thought. It's all about like being open and have listening ears all the way and reflect upon. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that and being very open. I would like to shift gear and talk about what are the challenges in coaching young leaders? Because sometimes there might be expectation mismatch or maybe you can throw some light on that. Sure, sure. See, what are some of the motivations of young people, right? If I was just starting off in my career, you know, I could very well turn around to a Bharat. If, if a Bharat is sitting here giving me advice, I could very well turn around to Bharat and say, ah, Bharat, whatever you're saying is all fine and good. It's okay for you to talk, man. I mean, you made your money, you're your senior exec, <laughs> you're actually starting my career. So it's all okay to give me all this philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's a very fair question. And I think that is where the coach needs to walk a mile mm-hmm. in that person's footsteps. See, unless I'm able to appreciate what is going through that particular person's mind, mm-hmm. what is going on in their journey, there is no way I can make a difference to their lives. So I think walking a mile in somebody else's shoes is a critical, critical part of it. It's a big challenge, right? It's very often that I can sit here like a big jnani and give a lot of gyan. Like, you know, sometimes I'm listening to myself as I'm talking to you guys and I'm feeling like I'm giving you a lot of gyan. <laughs> <laughs> really, I just want to share. So with young people, what happens is that you have to start appealing to that aspect of themselves that they're going to have to come to terms with, that they're going to have to accept. So for example, a dialogue around coaching dialogue with a young person who is looking to look for guidance and you know what they want to do and how they want to do it. One of the key pieces of advice and suggestions that we want, I, I would like to be able to get that person to recognize is developing competencies. <laughs> I, if I speak for myself, I'm able to speak in a very high level and a general tone because I know what it takes to get there. It took me a long time to develop a set of competencies. Unless I get to be good at something. Today, one of the reasons you want to talk to me is because you think I'm good at something because I can add value to you, right? Absolutely. So it's very important at that stage for dealing with young people is to help them understand the value of gaining competencies. Because only if you have that foundation that you can stand on, can you start to reach for the stars, right? Reaching for, everybody wants to reach for the stars, but you need a place to stand on, right? So one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, Archimedes once said, I believe, give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I could change the world or I can move the world. The same principle holds true for young people. You can change the world, but you need a firm footing to stand on. So my coaching discussion with young people has always been and would always start with that fundamental that, you know, be known for something. Mm-hmm. Your capabilities and competencies that gives you the confidence to be able to stand on and then shift the whole world. I think that's one of the key challenges that you have when you're dealing with uh, uh, having with young people. One of the other things that I've observed, and this is only an observation, not a criticism, is that mm-hmm. everybody seems to be in a big hurry for, within quotes, success. Yeah. Don't blame them. I don't blame anybody. Right? It's our system that's made us want to be, that defines our own success within quotes. And it's okay. 
but yeah. one has to look at it from the with with again with young people young people always have right i mean i've been a young person once too you know i i'm impatient right i want to achieve and i want to move fast and that can lead to a lot of frustration mm-hmm. and my advice to anybody to young people at this point is look your career is not something that you're going to build in one year two years three years right always look at it as a continuum mm-hmm. your career is never going to be a straight line you know if it was a straight line then everybody here would be a genius and you know super successful material would be in every other way third piece of advice i'd give anybody is that success is not just material mm-hmm. success is about being successful in what you consider to be life you know trust me at some point you will turn around and you may turn around and ask yourself the question that you know okay what am i doing this for and you must ask yourself that question periodically any one of us should ask that question of ourselves periodically and why am i doing what i'm doing it's a good checkpoint and that would be you know some of the challenges i think we will face when we deal with young people mm-hmm. it requires a lot of patience we have a 25 year old son and we've seen him grow and there is you know the the impatience of youth the impetuosity of youth that's a great thing but it requires channelization if it can be channeled and focused then boy i mean i tell you young people are absolutely kick ass i love dealing with young people because of that energy that passion the desire to do great things and the ability to dream i think are absolutely terrific and we ought to encourage and deal and help young people actually accomplish whatever it is that they desire that's my take yeah so these are all like pearls of wisdom i would say and uh, <laughs> just to uh, tie back to the point that you mentioned about career is not a straight line and you'll come across certain ups and downs right so it is a case where we have to be prepared to deal with the crisis say given the pandemic like this yeah. so how do we coach the young generation to be able to handle the crisis effectively beautiful question man beautiful question because you know this is really real and you know every day i hear news about jobs the economy not being good the job situation not being good and young people i'm i'm telling you i mean i feel so terrible that young people who are graduating just getting out of school and college are now are coming into this situation where you know the economy sucks right jobs are disappearing new jobs cannot be created or are not being created what's a young person to do at this point so the only thing i can say to young people and when we're we're living in unprecedented times i have not seen anything like this in my lifetime and i don't think any of us have uh, so my only thing to young people at this point is we can only take a look at where i'm going to be able to find the opportunities so one of the key things i would look at and i would request young people to think about is is there a way i can leverage the world of technology right now in order to be able to deliver what i can to customers to people to my workplace and let me expand on this a little bit i may be oversimplifying it but here's the thing recently i started working with a physical trainer mm-hmm. i've been wanting to get back into shape i've uh, you know spent a lot of my life uh, doing this stuff and i have certain goals physical goals that i want to accomplish for example i want to be able to run a marathon Uh, I've never done a marathon. I'd like to do a triathlon. So I need to get physically fit in order to do it. You know, interestingly, I've got a physical trainer, but guess what? And I feel very insecure about going back to a gym to tell you the truth, right? Because in <laughs> the class where the organization is going to show up and I I don't want to get sick. So I've got a physical trainer who lives in Hyderabad and I live in Bangalore and we're using Zoom to be able to and he uses Zoom to train me. What I'm trying to get at here is that 
we need to be able to find creative ways in which we can make things work. Exactly. We're going to a largely even more virtual world. Is there a way in which I as a young person who's graduated today can add value to somebody who is uh, to an organization or my own business as an entrepreneur or something like that in a virtual world? That's something that, you know, I think young people need to look at. The second thing I think young people need to look at is use this as an opportunity to learn mm -hmm. because learning is never going to end. It's a great place to start. In fact, one of the advice, pieces of advice I've given our son is also the same thing. He's getting ready to graduate right now. And I told him, I said, look, you know, this is a fantastic opportunity. Rather than getting out into the trying to find a job and so on, continue your studies. Give it time so that you're able to digest it. Mm -hmm. The third piece of advice, and this is a little bit of philosophy here, is that this too shall pass. We are going to learn how to live in a new normal. All of us will. Workplaces may be shut down right now, but workplaces will start looking at alternatives. Things are going to change. You know, whoever thought, you know, Naveen, you remember, right? Back in the day when we were at GE in the, you know, 90s and early 2000s. I mean, thinking about working from home was practically nothing. We could only do, you know, support operations and, you know, bandwidth was limited and so on and so forth. Today, we've got all the capabilities to work from anywhere. So I think organizations are going to wake up to it and are already woken up to it, as a matter of fact. To be able to do very complex things with people being geographically and physically separate. So this too shall pass. And what I mean by that is organizations are going to start to realize that in this new normal, we are going to have to find other ways in which we can make this work. So I believe the job cycles and job creation is going to come back up. Yes, this is a tough time for anybody, but don't lose heart. Have that spirit of exploration. Have continue to persist with that spirit of adventure and keep persisting. Don't give up. I know it's easy to say don't give up. I've been there. I've been in situations where I've had, you know, I started my career in information technology with 10 rupees in my pocket and I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. I got a break yeah. and I've never looked back. So it is possible. And last piece of advice for anybody here, always look at somebody else that you see out there who doesn't have what you have in your hand. Mm -hmm. There are so many millions of people in our own country who don't have what we have. So feel better about yourself. Stay positive, stay calm and don't hesitate to ask for help piece that I want to say to everybody else out there who's got a job, who's got a career, who's got good cash flow coming in and so on and a good in and a decent income coming in, please help. There are going to be a lot of people reaching out to you for help. My plea to everybody here is all of us who are in a better position yep. must reach out and help somebody who is not in that good a position. Only if we do that will the economy and everything rise because the economy has got nothing to do with the government. The government is us. Unless we are able to do something about it, government can't do anything. So let's get out there and help people. Very, very encouraging, Bharat. There is no doubt about it. So by understanding your passion on coaching the young leaders, what are like, uh, you know, various leadership skills that were most difficult to develop? Wow. For me personally, because of my own personality, I would say, was developing my skill of, was trying to learn to be patient and to be able to listen and reflect. See, in my case, at least, what I found was I had a passion for action. Always. There's always, let's go. Let's get it done. Let's just do it. And we'll figure out if we make mistakes along the way, we'll figure out a way to fix it. But just keep moving. I realized at some point that, you know, it may be okay for me, but for everybody else who's with me, that may not be the way that they work or they prefer to work. So then I had to find a way to actually curb my natural instincts right? Mm -hmm. and start to carry people along. Uh, let me give you an example, right? Let's say I have an idea about something. It could be anything, a new product, a new initiative, whatever it is. 
Now, I've already clarified it in my own head that this is what needs to be done. But the people who are with me have not yet come to that place that I've already reached, right? Yep. So I have to literally, instead of being impatient at that time, I need to be able to rewind a little bit and show people, carry people along and say, hey, here's the path. Here's what we're thinking of. And by doing this, we're going to get there. So very often a leader has to keep pace and enable his people first before you can actually start seeing that change. So for me personally, that was a tough lesson. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of mistakes. Believe me, I got whacked. I got, you know, I got negative feedback. (laughs) But the point is, you have to be willing to take that. If you want to be a leader, you're going to have to take the good with the bad. Not everybody is going to like what you do. And you got to be open to feedback from everywhere. Everywhere, right? So you got to be available. That's why 360 becomes a, such a critical component. And I don't mean 360 degree feedback as a tool, but I'm talking about mm-hmm. it as an informal culture of constantly pulsing people. So one of the things that I've always learned to do is when I'm making a decision to go out there and test it out on a few people and say, hey guys, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? What's your opinion? How would you feel if we were to think about something? And many of the ideas in that case, right, get shot down simply because of the fact you realize that somebody else is thinking of something that you've not thought of. So the willingness to ask for feedback and be courageous about it and not be afraid to receive that feedback is a critical, critical skill. So that was something that, you know, took me some time to learn and took me some time to accept. (laughs) I'm loving this conversation. Like you're speaking from your heart. Yep. Like everything is very candid and it takes immense courage to be open and I really appreciate all the thoughts coming through and sharing sure. so openly with our listeners and ourselves. I'm feeling very glad to be connected with you after a long time. <laughs> so one final question, Bharat. Sure, Navi. Do you recommend any great books which do you think are a must read for someone to succeed in leadership? Yeah. Oh boy, now I'm sitting in my library. No wonder. Uh, You're asking me for one book. (laughs) Uh, I would not suggest any one book. I think as you grow, you have to keep yourself open to multiple different influences, right? I mean, in my career, there have been an enormous number of books that have helped me. Thinkers who have helped me that I've looked to and looked uh, from. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but, you know, I love stories. I've always found myself fascinated by history and I'd love to read history from the perspective of learning from history. Mm -hmm. So if you take a look at many of the role models that, you know, people talk about and have, you know, when we think about them, I think it's always good to read about how other people thought, how some of the great people thought. Everybody would consider great. Right, whether it was a name that comes to mind again and again, as far as India is concerned, at least is uh, Mahatma Gandhi, Swami yeah. Vivekananda, mm-hmm. uh, all great thinkers. It may not be management, it may not be you know any of those topics, but I think you know those are influences that influence your thought to get to a higher frequency. Thinking needs to get to a higher frequency. Only then can you actually grow, right? And I don't mean personal growth alone. And for an organization to grow, you can't do the same thing that you did yesterday. If you want to grow, you're going to have to find new things to grow. A plant Mm -hmm. that is growing is not looking back at, okay, yesterday I was a seed, so how do I stay a seed? That plant is saying, okay, hey, I want to become a tree. So to become a tree, you can't think like a seed. You have to start thinking. (laughs) So for that, my advice to anybody, don't stop reading. Don't stop learning. Definitely look at some great influences and influencers. Historically, a good one that comes to mind is, you know, somebody like uh, Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. Seven yeah. Habits. I think that's still habits. very, very relevant. Definitely something that people should uh, look at and read. Second book that I would recommend for anybody would be Good to Great. 
because it just mm-hmm. opens up your mind to how you can truly aspire to great as a corporation in the business world. And then I would definitely suggest that people should read stories, mm-hmm. stories of great people, you know. Alexander yeah. the Great, mm-hmm. he did. What was his vision? Because the thing is about their visions, right? Their visions were huge, massive vision. How do they get there? And how were they able to motivate people to be able mm-hmm. to do these great things? You know, so definitely I would read, you know, people like Mahatma Gandhi, what happened, some of the history of the freedom struggle. Those are all very inspiring things. Oh yeah, one fantastic book. It's a pretty thick read is Nelson Mandela's uh, Long Walk to Freedom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. I mean, a person who was incarcerated for 20 plus years in a six foot by eight foot cell and his growth, even though he was in prison as a human being and becoming such a great leader is an amazing story. It has all the hallmarks of, you know, persistence, perseverance, passion, all of those qualities, you know, in one person. Long Walk to Freedom is the title of the book. It's written by Nelson Mandela himself. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Must read. Sure, definitely. Thanks for those titles, Bharat. Definitely, I'm going to grab the Nelson Mandela copy for sure. Definitely. Great, guys. Absolutely. Well, I'm having so much fun, guys. I am absolutely having so much fun. Thank you for having me on this this show. It's only when we start talking to other people that we start to actually find some more clarity in our own thing. Very often you have to test your ideas out against other people and other people's Mm -hmm. parts. So sometimes in just articulating it, right, you start to listen to yourself and that process of refining starts to emerge. So I really appreciate it and I'm very grateful. That, Thank you so much. Uh, you guys got me on this uh, show and I'm excited to see your progress. Very excited. Very, very excited for you guys. And do feel free. Let me know how I can help anyway. Super. Definitely, Super. Bharat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bharat, for accepting our invitation despite uh, other commitments and sharing your thoughts and experiences. Sure. It was great. A great, in fact, I think one of the memorable conversations that we have in uh, Edding Voice probably and on Navin correct me okay absolutely absolutely this will be remain epic episode for sure a great conversation on the most useful topic and coaching growing young leaders thank you so much Bharat thank you very much and I'm so happy that you uh, uh, enjoyed it uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, talking with you guys so thanks a lot thanks a lot Bharat dear listeners to know more about our speaker and the content visit our followers on social media. We are available on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and also on YouTube. Just search for The Guiding Voice and then follow, like, subscribe to us, and also share within your network. Also, feel free to email us and we'll be happy to collaborate with you always. All right. So it brings us to the trivia segment of today's episode. And do you know, today's trivia is about currency. Do you know that 92% of the world's currency is digital? It's a mind-blowing fact, which means most of the money that we earn, transact with, used to buy goods and services and so on and so forth, exists only on computers and hard drives. You know, banks also store electronically and the 92% includes all kinds of transactions done through credit card, debit card transactions, wire transfers, etc. And only about 8% of the currency globally is physical money and all the black money piles from within this 8%. So this is a fair estimate that uh, economists seem to agree on though. Not sure if it is really exact figure, but this low percentage seems surprising. However, it makes sense considering that majority of the transactions are done electronically. So it's an interesting thing, isn't it? 
All right. So thank you for listening. There is more in store, folks. Have a wonderful time. Take care and be safe. Thank you.